0: Hey, we're going to get right into your episode of Space Cats Peace Turtles, but before we do, I my name is Hunter, and I got to tell you, we're doing a show <laughs> this year at uh, Gen Con on Thursday at 3 p.m. Come see it. All right. Now, enjoy the episode.
1: This is Space Cats Peace Turtles the unofficial podcast for Fantasy Flight's Twilight Imperium. Episode 85, The Quest for Game 2. Music by Ben Prunty, featuring Matt Martins and Hunter Donaldson. Okay. Ti talk, which is like T. our T. new talk. our new segment. Now That's it's like a, now, it's now like we're a, gonna have segments an, an, and jingles. <laughs> you have to write all the jingles then. Right, right. So for right. for today's Ti talk, we oh, well we we almost played a game of Ti.
0: Right, yeah. And we then did. I played. Oh a wait, game are of T. we T. in the show? I didn't even realize.
1: Turns out, Hunter. Hey, Hunter, we're in the show now.
0: Oh no, I didn't realize. All right. Yeah. Well, here, let me put my show hat Surprise on. Surprise, <laughs> My show, Britches. Yeah, so I was almost in a game of Twilight Imperium today. Can I tell that story first? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Please do. Okay, so I was going to play a Gideon Brotherhood game today, but then the fire alarms in my apartment just started going off, and they wouldn't stop. And then to fix it, my landlord told me I needed to do something with the, um, the circuit breakers, and then I turned off all the power in my house and couldn't figure out how to get it back on. You'd think it'd be like you turn it off and you turn it back on, but it really wasn't as simple as all that, and I don't want to explain all of it to you. I just like, got completely derailed and did not get to play. So Yin for Life, yeah. the infamous Yin for Life, subbed right. in for me, um, he started
1: as your troll and now he's slowly becoming you. Right. You and him are one.
0: Oh yeah, sure. Uh he is he is gonna replace me on the show once I once I retire, which is <laughs> it, it's just coming up. You know, I'm getting pretty old up. I'm turning 30 this year. <laughs> oh, i ter- my oh, old 30. eye. I can't I can't move the plastic and cardboard no more. <laughs> cause I, I'm ter- I can't see the special the my racial
1: abilities. Because I'm turning 30. <laughs> <laughs> well, can I tell you about the game that I did play? Yeah, tell me about it. I was extra. I was all gung-ho to work on an extra guide. Man, extra is a hard faction. Right. You just got to get lucky. You just kind of need some luck. But to put that aside, I felt really great about my start. Um, I got a slice with two... Systems that contained planets on my path to Mechatol, which is like my dream for Mm Excha, right? You want the highway to Mechatol. The one adjacent to Mechatol was Vefut 2, which meant it had a, a, you know, a two planet, two two resource planet, so four production. That's pretty good. That's a good way to, that's a good spot to put a forward dock on, Mm -hmm. you know? Uh, And I love those forward space docks as Excha. Now, in this game, I wasn't able to get my forward dock down, but I was able to get my flagship out round two, and I had a blue skip Adjacent to home. So I was able to get gravity drive round two, which to me, that's kind of what I've been working on is, is this gravity rift, a little bit aggressive extra Um, take, you know, take, take what's yours, get on the planets and uh, use, use the uh, flagship to defend them. Um, The only problem in this game was I was surrounded by soul and yin and they are all, we all have the same MO basically was like, we want to be the first one to get somewhere and then hold it. Uh, I got to the equidistant before Soul did, but I did not really get to the equidistant before Yin did. And then it became an issue of just like, how am I going to expand out from here? Yeah. And I felt okay for about the game for, for a while. But then, then, there was one round where it all just went south. I was—I didn't really have good resources, and I very early on decided I was actually going to try to get War Suns as X shot, which is a little uh, eh, not great, obviously. But I wanted to try it. You know, you got—you you don't learn anything unless you experiment with it. Um, right. And I and I had like a decent setup. Like if I was just going to get Gravity Drive out of the way really fast, I was going to ignore all the faction tech and just sprint for War Suns. That was like my plan. But I didn't really have a good resource slice for that, so my other goal was to start expanding fast to get those resources. I had to I had to branch out and go find resources elsewhere. Um, but it just because of that, I didn't really have that many units. I was getting probably too much tech. Honestly, I almost wish I'd just kind of given up on tech and spent a couple rounds really building units because I was just very unit starved. And I did one attack where I sent almost my entire fleet at a very small sh- uh, fleet of Yins. And I had like a greater than ninety nine point five percent chance. Like the battle calculator rounds up and I had a hundred percent chance to win the fight. Now that battle calculator doesn't account for Yin's devotion ability, so you have to kinda like do a little bit of fuzzy math, but regardless, I had very, very, very good odds to win mm-hmm. the fight, mm-hmm. and then I whiffed five PDS rolls, got no hits. Wow. After I had expended Graviton laser systems. So uh, I lost that fight. He only lost a single fighter. That was more or less the end of x Cha in that game. Right. I had had some passive points I was able to get. But by that point, Yin and Jolnar were running away with it. And um, Yin had the first lead, right? And kind of got jumped on. And that gave Jolnar enough room. Also, it helps, you know... Two tech and four colors was the first stage two, and he drew four tech and one color as a secret. So that's kind <sighs> of just, that's that's just how Joel and our games go sometimes. That's so it, it ended it ended fast. Um, Can I say some nice.
0: stuff, some critique of your game stuff though, please? Like, uh, to me, from just hearing you describe it, and I wonder if the listeners would agree to, with me. It sounds to me like you tried to do too many things, Matt, because like you're, you're probably you're, I tried yeah, to go as to you're describing your game, you're like. All right, so I'm trying to expand really quickly. I get my flagship out on round two. Uh, I'm going after War Sons. Uh, I got a lot of tech. I'm I'm trying to like get more plastic out. It just sounds to me like you're you were trying to push extra yeah. the slow turtle race to be a fast. Knife in the darkness, basically. Um,
1: I, maybe I don't think that's actually what I was doing in it. Like I never, I never did get a plastic advantage, so it's not like I was mm-hmm. working on that. I was trying to get the tech up, and then the my, my what my plan was was to take it slow. I ended up jumping on both uh equidistance the first because it was an easy timing to jump on it and the second because i really wanted that red skip to make the path to War Suns easier that's why i jumped on my other equidistant with mm-hmm. yin was mm-hmm. just to take mir all i did was take mir so that the next round i was going to get my War Sun tech the next round ended up being the last round of the game and just it wasn't going to work yeah um but i yeah i mean i i think i just don't know where that balance is with extra because if you go too slow you fall behind in points and so i was i was trying to make sure i was always scoring a point and i was scoring a point every single round but it took everything in me to to do that right um, because my slice was so resource poor and i was never getting trade i never got trade i was never i almost never even got to trade with people because i was always on like the opposite side of the table as the person with trade i was picking last in speaker order or like close to last in speaker order Mm -hmm. for a lot of the game so it just it just felt like I wasn't getting the amount of stuff that I needed to do even... I don't think I was trying to do too much, but I guess I was given my position, Yeah, if that makes sense.
0: I also think you got a little bit unlucky being in between Yin and yes, Soul. that was um, bad. Because I, Extra with PDS and the flagship uh, is, a, is, I would say, a very strong matchup against Yin and Soul in space. But yeah. on the ground... I mean I there nothing. are no options. Like, I mean yeah. that's that's why I think you were you went down the you drank the crazy juice and was like, I'm gonna get War Sons.
1: Yeah. I think my biggest regret of the game is foregoing getting my forward space dock. Yeah. You really need it. You you need it. Um I got paranoid at one point because i got threatened by soul you Mm -hmm. then backtrack that threat but kind of once you've made the threat the threat's there the threat's out there you can't really like i'm gonna attack you oh maybe i won't attack you okay well you said you were gonna attack me which means you're you're considering it right so i'm gonna have to act as though you're considering attacking me so i dropped um two pds down on the round i had construction rather than doing a space dock and a pds Mm -hmm. and that round i wish i had done a space dock and a pds because that would have changed a lot of my mid game because i would have had the potential to get units out forward on the board rather than back at home or what i did which is kind of like i guess i'll just ignore units because i can actually just get more done with the stuff i have out there and spend my money on tech yeah so yeah I don't know. More experimenting is necessary. Yeah, that's I for
0: sure. I agree, and I uh, want to an- kind of announce something. Uh, we have been so so the kind of pre production work for the new round of faction guides is underway. Not that yep. a whole whole lot has been done, but we've we've started making decisions and like figuring things out and. We're thinking right now, and it's not set in stone, but uh we toyed with basically me and matt uh doing what we did last time, and we each individually write uh faction guides uh which I think is faster but maybe less like less unimpeachable um we are for now going to attempt to co write to you're gonna get faction guides that are uh, uh where we both write and play each faction, all yep. seventeen. Which uh, just
1: to be very clear, that's like a monumental undertaking. I don't know if people realize how, but like the reason we split them up last time is there's seventeen factions. Right. That's just so much. And especially at the time in when we were both in Portland, the only times we were playing was together. So right. we had to split them up, because to do both of them would require double the amount of games. But nowadays we we play together sometimes, but we also play separately plenty. Um, and so we have a little bit more room to to cover the same faction at the same time. And it just feels better to do it because now we can both get our perspectives on it mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Um, and just take a, a closer look and, and be able to consider our differing metas. I remember that was something that really made the ghost guide difficult mm-hmm. um, because I have just a really particular style and ghosts leads me down some really dark paths. And you don't do that. And I think you have more luck with ghosts generally. And in fact, when we were going to divvy them up, you were going to take ghosts this go around. Cause it right. just seemed like, ah, you need to, you need to be the one to take a stab at them. Um, but, and, and I think the guides though, there will still be a little bit every now and then of like, maybe someone is kind of the lead on certain guides and someone else is like playing support right uh that might be how some of them work out but there's going to be a number of guides where we're full on both of us are pot committed we are Mm -hmm. all in on this one guide i know hakan that's certainly the factor we are both like doing hakan fully between the two of us so i mean Um,
0: in general i just kind of want to establish that when the new guides start coming out um there will be a lot more perspective on each of them because i think the goal is to just like complete it you know just feel like we exhausted each faction basically right
1: but it also reinforces the point that it will be slower they're not going to come out week to week these guides will not be week to week there is no way
0: no no you'll you'll never get two in a row basically right but that's why that's what the other game is for too um yes the other
1: game is to fill in those gaps so we're kind of Easily exploring another game while we're digging in incredibly deep into T.I.
0: Yeah, and uh, just before we get away from T.I. talk um, for this episode, uh, I just want to say that I think probably the first guide to expect is going to be Federation of Soul. Yeah, because I love we, this pick. Yeah, so we just kind of want to get it out of the way. Uh, it's, it's, I think, the one that we both feel... There's not a whole lot that we need to change as far as what we said.
1: Right. Um, you, dear listener, could write the guide on Soul.
0: Yeah. So like <laughs> It's with, just
1: there. <laughs> right.
0: It's 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 just there. And and if anything, I think my only goal with coming into this one is expanding what we're saying. Definitely. Um, because the strategy for Soul is very um myopic and yep. it feels like nowadays they're not as strong a faction as they were when 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 ti4 was very very fresh and new um because i feel like it it is a they are kind of a one trick pony now it's a very good trick but a really uh, good trick but so i i think our goal is maybe like are there some other tricks out there like is are there are there ways of incorporating uh these abilities in in uh in a way that we have not before so, so and that's look definitely to something
1: that. i want to do with some of these guides too is i want to play some games where we do weird stuff off the wall stuff i mean to, even today yin for life took over for hunter but hunter was playing his soul in in an effort to work on the soul guide uh and even yin for life did some crazy stuff he he went yellow path he was like i just wanted to try it i wanted to see what it looks like and he got Transit diodes and uh, integrated economy pretty fast, and it made for some crazy late-game push stuff. It was very interesting, honestly. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. he was doing late-game late pushes. He he got Carrier 2 while also get I think he had Carrier 2. I'm going to say that, and I might be wrong, but it's crazy how much tech he was having, but he he was, like, did these last-round dives onto other people's planets and then immediately reinforced with, like, you know, four to six ground forces i mean it was it was really wild so it's it is an interesting thing of like if you get outside of the kind of standard blue green thing and go you know what let's like really invest in getting integrated economy soul can still do some really crazy stuff and that's the kind of thing i know i'm gonna want to explore with mm-hmm. soul is like what are what are the other options what else can we do with soul that maybe fills some gaps while well, yeah probably gives up some other prop you know it's like i'm not taking advantage of all my strengths but maybe i can get rid of a weakness that I didn't know I could get rid of.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think, I think each faction guide will have a tech path section where we talk about the different tech paths. You could go down yep. uh, and breaking those down. I mean, obviously uh, the traditional soul is blue green, but I think there is definitely a case for blue yellow. So yeah. um, look forward to that. That I think we'll probably do a, a better job of letting you know what's on the docket basically yeah. too, with these guides Um, with the intention being of me and Matt actually kind of getting ahead of it. Um, I would say to not expect the first guides to come out till we exhaust kind of this current arc of the show, which is talking about um, the next next game game and and figuring out what the next game is going to be, and then with Gen Con coming up. uh, But basically, after Gen Con, expect this show to shift heavily into... Real strategy guides about yep. lots of subjects, basically, yep, and being definitely. and being a very very hardcore show.
1: Honestly, um, the, just just looking ahead at it, I do not see a way how the guides are going to be single episodes. Like I really think the, all the guides are going to be so much information that we're going to jam pack in them that I might they might end up being two furs for every single guide. Right. I'm right. just saying that, but like just knowing what I want to accomplish in these guides, it's a lot. Yeah. <laughs> So we'll see where that ends up.
0: Yeah, and 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 just to, just to make it clear, I know we've sort of said this on the show before, but but the goal is for the faction guides, the TI faction guides, to be really really hardcore with with a very like very good level of depth, um, and not something where you know where like how we did it the first time, where we're getting errata all the time, we're messing up things, right. we're changing our opinions all the time, like just a very crystalline, this is our opinion on this faction, this is how we feel about them. Um, but then at the same time, the new game is like our fun, flirty, yeah. first time kind of thing. Where yeah. we are probably going to mess a lot of stuff up, and you're going to get those fun pokes in of like, you guys mess us up, That that's not <laughs> how you do that you're you guys, gonna get that
1: today, because we're gonna describe some games today. Right. And these are a lot of these are games we haven't played, and and we're gonna be wrong about some stuff. So I'm I'm already expecting plenty of errata.
0: Right. And so this is probably the best time to kind of transition to what this episode is gonna be about today. Um there is the poll is actually man, I really wish we'd put this way earlier, actually, now that I think about it. But the poll is live currently on the Patreon. If you are a Patreoner on any level. Um, yep. You can vote in the poll. Uh, it, is, it is already a thing.
1: Whoa, hey guys, it's Matt from the future. You haven't heard from me in a while. Uh, one other note about this poll, it is through the Patreon service, and what we have learned is we have almost no control over how to make a poll in uh, Patreon, which means uh, you can vote on multiple options within that poll uh so you could vote for four out of the five games and we've decided to just go ahead and lean into this i don't see any problem with that especially since we're going to do multiple votes you'll hear more about that later but uh we we are just okay with you being able to vote on as many things as you possibly want um because really all that's going to matter is that certain games are going to get lopped off at the end of every two weeks so don't worry about it just just vote on as many games as you want to with with each vote, just vote on games you like, and then we'll have a better sense of what people want to listen to.
0: It's, it's super exciting. Uh, just a quick rundown of the games, the options, because we, uh, we we actually picked the community uh, fifth game today. Yep. So our, our five games are as follows. A Game of Thrones, Mother of Dragons expansion, Root, Diplomacy, Dune, and then Heroes of Land, Air, and Sea.
1: Which that might, that's kind of, that's maybe a weird pick to some people. I, w- I wonder how people will feel about that. But it was it was contentious running for that fifth position. But it was really like close between
0: at. Heroes of Land, Air, and Sea and um, Twilight Struggle. Yeah. Um, I just think that, like personally, I think the thing that helped Twilight Struggle back was the fact that they're, I think it might be a better game than even some of these games. Like, actually, yeah. I think it might be yes. one of the best games ever, basically. Um, right. But it also feels like if you want Twilight Struggle stuff, it's out there. It's and it's all very well defined, basically. Right. Um,
1: yeah. And it's maybe something we'll we'll visit in the future. Maybe that's our third game or our fourth game. Who knows? Yeah.
0: Or maybe we'll just play it someday live on the stream. Yeah. Right. I, maybe we'll just
1: do an episode about yeah, it. Yeah. And and
0: you'll have never uh, you'll have never played it before, and I've played it quite a few times. And I played once. You. I played
1: one time. Oh, I you played say. one time. Okay. One time, but that's not much <laughs> right
0: right well okay so matt what are we gonna do today what is what is the meat of well, this well because
1: we brought up these games not everybody's familiar with them and it doesn't seem fair to ask all of our patrons uh to vote on this and it doesn't seem fair to ask the community to 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 care about these upcoming games if they're not fully aware and and you know we're not going to make you do all the homework we want to give you kind of a briefer on each of these five games and why we're excited about it and more importantly what the show would look like if it was covering that game. Yeah. And that's the big factor is like, what can you expect? What kind of content would you expect from us covering each of these games? Cause they are different. And maybe that would change how your vote looks. Maybe you love one game, but the kind of content you want to see is actually more in line with this other game. And so mm-hmm. you want to vote on that one instead.
0: Oh, and we should also mention with the Patreon poll, it's going to be a runoff style poll. Yes. Um, so every two weeks, there is going to be, we are going to need you to get in get into your Patreon account and vote on the on the poll a- right. after each 2 week period we're going to drop the the game that got the least uh, amount of votes and right. then we're going to have another revote so you're going to get a lot of opportunities to weigh in on this essentially right
1: right. and especially the biggest thing is we didn't want to just have you vote on all five games because then you could have like a weird contentious split and one only ekes it out by like one vote Mm -hmm. and that and then a bunch of people were disappointed and it just it didn't feel like the right way to go about it um and also there's some limitations on just like the kind of polls patreon allows us to do and we knew we needed to do it through the patreon system so doing this runoff helps uh, just build some hype for it too, but also gives everyone an opportunity of like, okay, this game got slumped off in week one, but if they're not gonna do that one, then I know I want it to be this game instead, and I can redirect my votes towards that. So by the end, after eight weeks, the the last poll will only be between two games, which means we'll have a pretty, you know, obvious decision of of like what's gonna win, and it will be it won't have just won by like, oh, it was. 30 votes instead of 29 votes. Right. Uh, and, and then the third game was was 27 or whatever. It's like, no, it'll be, we'll have worked up to that point. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm interested to see how different games fare up against different competition. You know, something like, like the, the closest thing is a Game of Thrones, Mother of Dragons and Diplomacy, they feel like they have a lot in common. And so I wonder if one of those gets slumped off, do all of the people into the other jump on board with that other game, right? If diplomacy falls away, does do all the diplomacy people jump onto Game of Thrones and suddenly Game of Thrones is like takes this clear lead? That's the kind of stuff we're gonna be looking at.
0: Or does everybody in our audience, do they not all know about root yet? And then right. as they learn about Root over these next couple of weeks, does Root just kind of get more and more popular within the poll? Right. Are people yeah. that vote originally for Game of Thrones are eventually like, you know, I actually know a lot about Root now and I want, I want, to, I want it to be Root. I want to know it. Um, yeah, so I'm I'm really excited to be doing it this way. Um, and I, I think it's a really fun way to do it and also a very informed way to do it. That way we just know that that everybody's kind of getting to pick their best case scenario, basically, right? right. Um, instead of just having you all do it, do it once, and also it's more fun for us because every, you know, we're going to get to announce, you know, the one that slumped off each, each, right. each uh, cycle, basically. every other
1: show, basically. Mm-hmm. <laughs>
0: um, so let's let's ta- start talking today about these games uh, and what the show would look like if if uh this game is picked basically what the what the format of it is going to look like some of them it's gonna it's gonna be more similar to twilight imperium but but some of them are not some of them are a little uh i think are going to be trickier than others um i'm looking at diplomacy especially um but matt which which game do we want to start talking about today
1: I think the easiest one to cover first is the one we've both played, or at least we've both played the base game of A Game of Thrones, the board game. Mm-hmm. Now, when we talk about it on this show, we are have already committed to playing with the Mother of Dragons expansion. Right. Now, that's a little bit annoying for people who people who are going to want to follow along with us and are going to go out and buy the game. Well, you're going to have to buy the base game, and you're going to have to buy the expansion. Right. And I get that that is a little bit annoying, Um, but the mother of dragons expansion adds so much to game of thrones and we were both so excited to try it. It just seemed like why, why would we do game of thrones if we're going to then eventually later have to come back to it so that we can cover mother of dragons? Why don't we just dive into mother of dragons? since That's the hot new item. Right. Um, so, and, and also it's just, it's the, Game of Thrones is on this list because I love Game of Thrones. That's, like, the number... That's the first and right. foremost reason is, right. like, I'm very into that series in general. But I want to be very clear to people up front about Game of Thrones. The board game, you do not need to know about the game, the books or the show to be invested in, that, in the board game. Right. You won't understand the characters and why, like, a card is thematically like, oh, that is so perfectly Sandor Clegane. That is such an interesting card. I love that design idea. You won't get those little elements, but the card will still be good, and you'll still understand how to use it. All of the strategy is there without knowing the specific elements that they are based on, mm-hmm. and I think that's really important for people to know. I, I've heard from plenty of people that don't keep up with Game of Thrones that the board game is like still one of their favorite games.
0: Right, right. Um, so I think one of the most obvious things to touch on um, is as far as how this show will talk about Game of Thrones, if that is the one that you guys choose... Um, will be the the guides based on which house you're playing. Um, right. The Mother of Dragons expansion actually adds two new houses, uh, House Aaron and House Targaryen, um, which Targaryen plays very, very differently from yep. all of the other houses. Uh, but yep. the base game includes um, Martell, Tyrell, Greyjoy, Stark, Baratheon, and Lannister. What's interesting about Game of Thrones, as opposed to something like Twilight Imperium, is that they're the opening, the kind of first-round strategy way of talking about Game of Thrones, I think will ring a lot more true than it yeah. did when we talked about Twilight Imperium. Um, I In in our first-round strategy guides for Twilight Imperium, I felt like they were basically only useful in that they told you, like, oh, like, don't mess up by not doing this or not right. doing that. Like, that, that those were the ways that they were most useful. But in Game of Thrones, there will be just, like, the optimal path in that first
1: there is like a best one or two strategies for each faction there's a best play to make with with every faction more or less you know some of times it depends on what that opponent is going to do but you can usually find a best play um and and generally speaking there's just more strict math to game of thrones there's almost no randomness Mm -hmm. Um, and in fact in the base game there's basically no randomness save for just like what these things called the wildlings deck does that's kind of random but even that isn't a big deal and there's randomness in when you can and can't like build new units or adjust your supply there's things like that the game comes in phases and what you reveal in those phases is slightly random so that's the only random factor but it's not random in combat it's not random in uh the makeup of the board itself the board is the exact same every single time Mm -hmm. um mother of dragons adds a little bit more randomness to the game um but in general most people the reason they love game of thrones is because it is a very very tight mathematical game you can you can figure out what the best play is when you want to defeat an opponent you just need to bring more stuff than they have and that's it you will win the fight if you have more stuff than them right Um, or if you have the right cards to play against them
0: right and one thing that i i really love about game of thrones is that your um, ability to uh, have armies of a certain size is really limited. Yeah. Um, so the game becomes very much about like small numbers, and a lot of times battles are won by like a single point or whatever. Yeah. Um, right. And there is not really um, a very there. Most of the out like winning against your opponent, um, you can't really do it by just like in Twilight Imperium, you can just build more plastic than the other person. And right. then if you just spent your resources wisely, you have a better fleet, and so you're going to win the fight. In Game of Thrones, uh, it's a lot more about moving your pieces around the board in a way that's really strategic and paying yes. attention to the map itself and kind of yep. using that against your opponent, yeah. um, which is definitely not something that Twilight Imperium really has at all.
1: No. Um, Positioning this- in Game of Thrones is like absolutely critical. It is the most important thing you will do in that game. And if anything, too, it makes the it makes the, the like the process of playing really specific like I, I think of game of thrones at a high level of play which i'm not even saying i'm at a high level of playing it at this point but what i've read and what i've seen is when everyone sitting down at the table is very good at the game it becomes you, you don't see these like weird swing victories where like oh man they just suddenly got like the, the way you win in game of thrones is by controlling specific territories that have like castles on them and you need to have seven castles or whatever mm-hmm. um now, controlling those castles, you would think, oh, so then the way to win is to, like, on one round take four castles when no one was expecting me to. But that just that, it doesn't work that way at high-level play. You have to gradually, throughout the game, set yourself up in proper positions so that you can take castles unimpeded Mm -hmm. right it's it is less about like i oh i made a sneak attack there's not very many sneak attacks in game of thrones usually it's a sneak coordination with someone else or it's a overwhelming of your opponent and you just have to like work on constantly finding more ways to overwhelm and and that's the part of the strategy i'm very interested in is like you really are setting yourself up for your late game plays you're doing everything in your power Mm -hmm. to slowly accrue more land mass so that when the late game comes around, you're ready to make the big maneuvers you have to make to win.
0: I I think it'll be really interesting if we talk about Game of Thrones on the show because um, there will be a lot of discussion of geography, which is not Mm. something that is a factor in Twilight Imperium. In Twilight Imperium, the hexes are all the same. There are some anomalies that can get placed, you know, obviously that kind of impede. But in the Game of Thrones board game, like the way the rivers and the mountains are shaped right. are, like really right. play into your options as a player. Yeah. In uh, Game
1: of Thrones, we could do an episode about the South and the makeup of the South and how those things are laid up against each other. You know what I mean? Like you, you could do episodes about just the map itself and how to play into all the different territories. Uh, and that, that could fill up Multiple episodes, honestly, of just, like, how do you control the neck? How do you control the north? Like, how do you take King's Landing? Things like that would be really interesting topics of discussion.
0: One thing I want to talk about that is actually going to be, like, a challenge in covering Game of Thrones is that um, we're talking about an eight-player game, uh, and obviously, I think our our first thought is, like, well, we're going to play it with eight players because, obviously, with this show, we're kind of lucky in that we can pretty easily get you know six or seven people together to play with us, yeah um however, there's kind of this weird there's a the, so there's a whole new system with mother of dragons that is that it introduces that the the base game did not have at all, which is called the vassal system, which is actually kind of fascinating it's it's basically any house that isn't being played by anyone is kind of like a neutral uh n p c That the other players can kind of bid for control of. And they have their own like house cards, if they're a vassal, that are kind of neutral characters uh, from the books uh, that have all kinds of like crazy new abilities. And it's actually kind of a very enticing system. But right. it will instantly create a problem for us if, if Game of Thrones is picked in that we have to figure out what is the regular way that we play this game? Is it eight players? Yeah. Is, it si- is it six players with two vassals? If the vassal system is good, then I'm not sure if eight players is going to be the way to go because then we're just going to not be experiencing a part of this game. Right. Um, so- and, and
1: it's and it's a part that could be so influential that like to not cover it how many people are really playing eight player games? You know what I mean? How right. often are people getting eight player games together, or is vassals a more important thing to cover because you have to talk about how it impacts the game? That'll be something we have to learn and figure out what what makes the most sense there right I don't so know that that's a tricky puzzle.
0: I would expect that if Game of Thrones is selected that there will be a follow up patreon vote where we talk well I mean we won't just go straight into voting, but we'll talk about you know all the different player counts we could do or would be willing to do. And then I think there will have to be some sort of community agreement of, like, what is the standard way of playing yeah. this game? And that does not exist yet. So that's that would be an exciting thing to have to figure out for this show. Right. Uh, but it is something we would have to figure out. And a lot of these games that we're going to talk about today, I mean, all, pretty much all of them... Um, are much uh, more locked in. Yeah, essentially, the way the rest of them are is there's a max player count, and that's what we're going to play. Like, we're going right. to play it with all the players... You know there, um yeah, so I don't know it's uh, that's gonna be an interesting uh interesting problem um yeah.
1: I, even on on board game geek, it is rated as six players being the optimal the best way to play, but I wonder if that's just based on that's how people have always played Game of Thrones, so they're used to playing with six players I don't know yeah it'll it'll be weird to see what the correct way to do that is
0: right another element of the game that has uh changed heavily with the expansion that is really exciting uh is that. There are now a lot more options for players to to trade with each other. Um, yeah. In in Game of Thrones, you don't really have like money per se, but you do have uh, in, influence power. Or, or power yeah. tokens um, that you use uh, as kind of like a, a way to further yourself on these various uh, like political tracks, basically. Yeah. Uh, that determine they give you they give you various abilities and they like resolve ties and stuff like that. Um. And in the past. Uh, you could not trade them between each other, and now you can, uh, which is, I think, going to add a lot more Twilight Imperium flavor to yep. this game.
1: Definitely, uh, and, and it excites really me way more than Game of Thrones ever excited me before. Right. If anything, that used to be like the worst part. Is like there's nothing to trade in game of thrones all you're doing is trading territory like trading positioning and that's just Mm -hmm. meh that didn't work for me so it didn't feel like there was any level for negotiation really or like extortion or any of that stuff but the iron bank really introduces the option for for doing that now that you can actually trade stuff and and kind of manipulate these things um i'm very excited to see how that system plays out
0: yeah yeah and I think that's pretty much all we want to say about Game of Thrones today. Um, I'll, I, I feel like we didn't quite say this when we started, but, the, you know, this is going to be a really shallow look at all these games. Um, yeah. And we are probably going to get, I, I feel like we didn't get anything wrong with the Game of Thrones thing. Uh, some of these games we're about to talk about, we're probably going to mess up a little bit or paint. Yeah. We're going to be painting with a really, uh, really wide brush uh, hey. for the rest. of Yeah. Hey, look, it's back. Um, so, Matt, what's the next game that we're going to talk about? The
1: next one is Root, which we have just been charmed by. Yeah. Boy, are we charmed by Root. Yeah. Root um, is very interesting. This game, the, the first thing about Root to me is it feels more like a uh, like modern board game than it does like a strategy game like what what i'm used to paying attention to right mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. i think of ti as an evolution of access and allies and risk and old school war games right root feels like a modern board game that is influenced by strategy games um but root root is just so interesting uh the art style is adorable mm-hmm. it's you all you play a bunch of woodland creatures that are at war with each other And, uh, I'll never tire of just, of the, the thematic elements of that. Um, but from, from a show level, what, what makes Root very interesting to me is more than anything else on this list, uh, Root is defined by its asymmetric factions. Mm -hmm. Um, so in, in a SCPT look at Root, the faction guides are everything, yeah. With Root. I mean, yeah. that's literally the entirety of what we could possibly talk about is is within each faction because each faction has different routes to success, completely different goals in mind.
0: Yeah, and and honestly, I think it would feel like each faction guide was its own little arc where we're talking about the whole game kind of from start to finish just from their perspective because they have different goals. They have different ways of claiming points. A lot of them function completely differently as far as like some of them have like dudes on the board like a kind of more normal type of yeah. uh, faction you would play in really any kind of game some of them only have one dude on the board yeah. and it's a completely mm-hmm. different type of thing um, but yeah. yeah let's do a little a little overview this is where we're really going to mess up Um yes right oh now.
1: yeah we're going to be so wrong here we're going to try to tell you what we what how we see the four different factions looking and the reason we're going over this is to say like if you don't know anything about Root, this is what you can expect the the guides from us to have to do. We would have to split up and only talk about these specific factions as, at particular times. Because you, you really almost can't talk about all of them globally. Mm-hmm. In TI, we can talk about just like, you're trying to get victory points. Let's talk about how you get victory points. Well, in this game... The different factions get victory points in completely different ways. So we have to we ca- we have to break down every single conversation to each faction. So let's cover the different factions so you can get as excited as we are about this game uh, mm-hmm. and and what would make it cool. The first one up is called Marquis de Cat. Uh, it is it is a little cat faction and they are sort of uh, area control is certainly a factor for Multiple factions in this game, but Marquis is trying to do area control in effort to create kind of an engine building atmosphere. So if anything, as far as I can understand the game so far with my limited look at it, Marquis de Cat seems like they are doing area control in service of a little Euro game of their own. Right. They're trying to generate this engine and keep this thing building and and try to scale themselves up based on getting all of these mechanisms to work in in tandem with each other.
0: Right. And the way that would look in the game is, so all of these woodland creatures are in this, like, kind of forest with various clearings. And Marquita Cat uh, will have lots of cats everywhere um, trying to control each clearing. Um, Basically, in Root, two two factions can coexist in the same clearing. And it's not that big of a deal. It's not like a Twilight Imperium where there must be war. Like, mm-hmm. but the clearing is only controlled by the faction that has the most um, pieces in that clearing. Yeah. Um. So Marquita Cat is trying to control as many of the clearings as possible um, and build. Uh, strongholds, I think they're literally right. called. Yeah. Um, the reason there. they're
1: controlling territory is so that they can gain more resources so that they can further build their engine to then take more territory, right? It's right. they're trying to get as much area as possible, but the way they manage that is through resource accrual and building stuff. Right. Um, and and so the the even better way to understand Marquis de Cat is to juxtapose them with the Irie, the eerie, whatever you want to call them, the bird faction. Because the bird faction is kind of the main other structurally sound faction there's only two factions in this game that operate on a pretty strict area control thing and it's like the way you're used to seeing strategy games played right and the other two factions are going to throw that into the garbage can right but the eerie is about area control but very pointed area control you're trying to establish these roosts and you want to get as many of them on the board as possible and your whole faction is kind of slowly falling apart as you go so you're on a little bit of a time window of like i have to get all of this stuff open and not lose control of all my stuff while also like having lots and lots of territory so you're not so much worried about like the resources that you're generated as you are just maintaining everything that you've got and keeping a handle on it it's almost like i would compare it to sort of like i don't know um like the way it feels to be the clan of when it's like, I'm, I'm building so much, but I, I don't know when this is going to fall apart. Like right. when, when am I just going to completely break down and, and come to a crashing halt?
0: Right. They also have a really interesting uh, element where they have like a leader character that gives, that grants them a special ability. Um, but under certain circumstances, the leader can be like voted out and replaced if they don't fulfill right. uh, certain requirements. I don't remember exactly what those requirements are, but sure. that it. It has, like, a fun little flavor to it like that. Like, it's like the Eerie is, uh, I would say there's kind of a royal, like, vibe to it. feeling. Right. Yeah. Um, So,
1: the next one up is the Alliance, and this is where Root just starts to completely fly off the handle and become this whole thing on its own. Right. Um, So, so far, it's been very strictly, like, I have units on the map. I'm trying to get more units on the map and area control. The Alliance doesn't start with any units on the map. They have nothing at the beginning of the game. Mm Mm-hmm. The alliance is like this tricky little subterfuge base rate. They they they're literally like a rebel alliance, mm-hmm. and their whole goal throughout the game is really to be more predicting where other players are going to move and base their moves on whether or not you are or are not going to invade a new spot because they can do certain actions that improve their uh their their standing in areas whether or not you invade or you don't if you invade somewhere and they were kind of they had it set up in the right way where they were okay with you invading it they're going to reap some sort of benefit from you invading that territory or they have other ways to take territories that they know no one's going to go to and that also helps them accrue power. And so basically the alliance is trying to set up a situation where they start with nothing but they kind of snowball out of control. Um and and you have to be very keen on what your opponent, opponents are doing and and I wouldn't say manipulating them, but you are trying to like Pay very close attention to what they are doing and predict their moves and plan against them more than you are just doing your own little thing on your own. hmm
0: hmm Yeah. I honestly, I didn't really get to mar- wrap my head around them at all. Basically, yeah. I did. I well, did not understand what I read. Um, they are, they are so exciting to me. Basically, yeah. as a as a faction, um, it's very hard for me to even understand what it is they're doing. It would be like if Isaril in Twilight Imperium didn't build units, but still (laughs) had like a hand of action cards that you can play, and then you're playing them and and stealing other people's units, and it's really (laughs) strange. Um,
1: Yeah, and and... That same approach is how I feel about the Vagabond, which is, like, I'm so lost on the Vagabond. So, Hunter, will you take the lead on explaining that guy to me?
0: So, I tried to learn the Vagabond. The Vagabond is, the Alliance starts with nothing on the board. The Vagabond uh, starts with, and only ever has, one unit, which is the actual Vagabond himself. Um, It's like, instead of playing as a faction, when you play as the Vagabond, you are literally just playing as the Vagabond. The guy. It's just a guy. (laughs) <laughs> um, and he is sort of like a hero unit, I is how I would describe him. Um, he has like an inventory and items that he has to spend in order to do all of the normal things that all the other factions do. Um, because there's only one of him, he can't really like control a, um, a area. Um, however, that's not really his goal. His goal is more to... Trade cards to the other players in order to build his relationship with those players. Um, and uh, so he literally has like a relationship tracker, um, on his sheet that tracks whether you know a faction is hostile to him, whether they're like somewhat friendly. Um, and he can even get to the point where he is in an alliance. with another faction. However, the term alliance has kind of a weird meaning in root and that as far as I can tell, it's actually kind of a way for the vagabond to just manipulate another player. And that <laughs> if I'm the vagabond and I'm allied with Makita Cat, that means if I'm in a space that has some Makita Cat warriors, um, I can tell them I can if I move to go do something, I can bring all those warriors with me to help me do that thing. Um, which is very strange to me. I don't even quite yeah. understand all of the implications of that. Right. Um, enough- we are probably
1: dead wrong on multiple points throughout all of this. Possibly. <laughs>
0: um, but with with the Vagabond, the thing I'm, I'm very confident in is a lot of it is um, moving around the map and collecting um, items. Um, yeah. items. Yeah. Items that you then spend and, and there's a kind of item management. There's even like an inventory management aspect to the Vagabond where he can only carry so many items and you have to kind of be mindful of um, how many items you have, and, and and the you have to repair them if they get damaged. And there's all kinds of all kinds of crazy stuff uh, with the vagabond. Um, so it's it's kind of about helping in quotes your your opponents. Um, there is even a very crazy aspect to the vagabond in that the vagabond can ally completely ally with um, the faction that is uh, like the furthest below, like, like in last place, you can essentially ally with last place and then try and create a group victory situation, uh, which I don't even understand the game well enough to know why you would want to do that. Yeah. Um, right. <laughs> but it's something you can do in this game. And if you yeah. vote on this one, if this is the one you guys choose, part of it will be us figuring out what that even means. So right. that's yeah, something I- that's really exciting about Root, which is that, we, we spent probably a half an hour trying to figure out route before we did this episode yeah we still don't so <laughs> and that would be really fun to kind of learn that so
1: yeah yeah um what's also exciting about it is the the game can start different every single game to a certain extent like you kind of you pick your starting position more or less mm-hmm. uh, so the idea of doing like a first round decision or a or a in-game setup, this is what you need to do episode of the show seems very enticing to me of like, what are the best setups for the de Cat, or what's the best setup for the Eerie? Um, and I, I think, more than, more than anything though, the, the episodes are going to come down to faction-specific stuff. I mean, there's just no way to avoid it because that's the whole entire game, is faction-specific decisions. So one of the downsides to it is the, is that problem, right? Is is like, all we're doing is talking about four separate games alongside each other, and while you are playing against your opponents, because you're not playing the same game, I, I wonder what that means for a strategic discussion standpoint. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's, it can be tricky to decide if that ends up playing out like you kind of spend the whole game in your little hole, in your little bubble, trying to focus on your own thing, Or how much can you truly manipulate or coerce your opponents into doing other things? Um, You know, for us, TI is very much about the metagame. We talk about the metagame all the time and we talk about using resources to extort people. That doesn't feel like something that happens in Root. Right root is just so much more invested in the faction specific goals so it would be a turn for us in that direction Mm -hmm. i'm not opposed to making that i love that idea but it does give up a couple things a couple styles of things that we tend to talk about
0: right um and also a, a quick note about expansions to root uh because there already is one and there's another coming is that correct
1: yeah i believe so if the second the second one might be like in people's hands and like not quite formally released yet. Right. Um I think the way we would cover root because it's
0: so wild is we would probably do the base game and then the expansions if we if we liked it, if we loved it. But I think we would start with the base game and kind of just go from there. Um are we ready to move on to the next game? I am so
1: ready. Yeah. Yep.
0: So the next one we're going to talk about, we're we're going to have way less to say about it, yeah. I feel like. <laughs> um but it's diplomacy. Yeah. The old the old chestnut, the old guy, the old <laughs> The old dude here, um, it's, it's you know, you know it. It's World War One, the board game, and you write your moves down in secret. And then, hey, look, I'm not actually leaving that area. I'm staying there, and I'm supporting it. And I told you I was going to give you that, but actually, no, I'm not giving you that. This right. is my understanding of diplomacy. Yeah. Um, it is, has a lot in common with uh, Game of Thrones. Uh, in fact, Game of Thrones pretty much steals, I would say, all of diplomacy and just kind of Adds, adds a lot crap of extra on top stuff. Of it. Yeah, yeah. That makes it a very different beast. So diplomacy is very clean. Um I think one thing that would be important to keep in mind if we end up doing diplomacy is that me and Matt will probably be more like curators yep. if if this one is the case because diplomacy is not <laughs> like diplomacy is not an unknown like entity at all. Um, which means that me and Matt will we would be stupid not to look on what uh, has already been said about yes uh, diplomacy we're not we're not gonna put blindfolds on and just pretend that there's no um, you know other other strategy stuff already out there so right. diplomacy would be sort of like a us combing through that and bringing you the best bits and, and kind of enacting them and, and giving our take on this thing that really is really already very very well explored
1: uh, right yeah it's it's an interesting game because it is mechanically incredibly simple like yeah insanely simple and that's where that's where coming up with episode ideas is a little bit weird right because we can't do episodes about tech and we can't do episodes about you know expansion it's just like no 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 no, you do this one thing and you do that one thing over and over again but the game is 100% above the table. Yeah. And so then it becomes all about, now we have to talk about making friend and influencing people, right? Like suddenly it's like this sociological experiment that we're on. Yeah. Um, which is awesome. I mean, that that sounds incredibly exciting to me, but it is a ve- it's a very different animal. It's a very different beast that we would be kind of approaching there with diplomacy because uh, for, for diplomacy, like everything you do in the game is based on what you talked about with other people. Mm-hmm. You, you, if you and a, an opponent try to make the same move into a territory, neither of you make the move. So you just, you just can waste it around basically with, with mm-hmm. that movement. Mm-hmm. So what you are a hundred percent required to talk it through with them, say, Hey, I'm going to move here. And if I move here, I'll let you go here instead or whatever. Um, so all of that stuff is interesting, but the, the problem it comes into for us is it becomes a very theory crafty show. I mean, we, we just have to talk about, okay, if so-and-so is in this territory and if you're here, what can you talk to them about, about moving around? And, and just like, how can you make the, the, the moves that you need to make? It, it's just a really weird, it's like chess. Right. You know what I mean? It's, right. it's, it would be like trying to have a chess podcast. Yeah. And you can't really talk about like, well, when night is on a nine, these are your, well that I can't go into all of that, but instead I need to talk about getting into your opponent's head and commonly useful strategies to know and, and just different things like that. It's just a very different um, take on strategy than what we're used to with TI.
0: Yeah, sure. But I also, I, I kind of feel like, I feel like you're kind of playing it a little negative. I think that diplomacy is a game that we could talk about for the rest of our lives, basically. Right.
1: Exactly. No, exactly. Yeah. I don't mean to make it sound negative. What I mean is the depth is infinite, and that's what makes it strange, just different to approach. There's not clear constructs that we right. can do episodes about. It's yeah the, the, we basically would have to just like cover games and talk about the things that happened and talk about different maneuvers and and like doing a faction guide on diplomacy yes you could you could you 100 percent have to do a round one faction guide right everyone's first rounds it's very similar to game of thrones the first round is like set in stone you need right. to do this you right. need to move here and even that might extend into like round two from there on out the game starts to just completely go into this infinite territory and we would have to discuss many, many, many things.
0: Right, and there's no variable race abilities. So there's not right. like that at, pretty much after that we're just in theory crafty land in in, in, in the meta. I think I think on the if, if we had an axis of like kind of heady games this one and like dune i feel like are both kind of on the headier side yeah and the more meta flavored side um so i mean i think it for for people that love that kind of stuff i think diplomacy would be a good pick for for those people um just because i think i'm not really sure what else there is going to be um also i do feel like diplomacy is something that there won't be a lot of explaining to do i mean like we'll teach you the game and then from then on, it's just like, all right, well, let's get deep and weird now. Let's get into yeah, exactly. Right. Let's get like, into strategies. Like, there's no
1: basics to cover. Like
0: uh, as as opposed to like something like root. Root will be mostly us figuring it out. And and like and like maybe that's an important thing to note here is that there's also an axis of like. Learn like how much of the game uh, of of the game will be us learning it with root. I think it'll be a whole lot of learning with uh, yeah. Heroes of Land, Air, and Sea. I think it will be a whole lot of learning um, with diplomacy and like Dune and Game of Thrones. Um, there will I think be less of like me and Matt are discovering the game kind of element to it. Yeah, and and I think those three can easier head like go into the kind of theory crafty element. So I think that's important to note for people. Yeah. Um, if you're looking for that aspect of the show, basically. Yeah.
1: And, and honestly, at this point it's, it's hard to say much more about diplomacy because yeah. that's, I mean, who knows what shape the, the show takes from, from that point forward. Cause it's just, it's all theory crafty. Yeah. Uh, so let's cover that next one. Uh, the next one is is the sort of oddball... Not oddball out, but it was the fifth game, right? We did we hadn't really declared this one yet, but we decided on Heroes of Land, Air, and Sea. Uh, yeah. And, Hunter, maybe we can talk about why we, we ended up going with this one for game five.
0: Well, there weren't... Like, I wish... Predictably, there actually weren't a lot of repeats in what people brought up. Basically, people through a, a very like lots of different games at us. Yeah. And we didn't actually have a lot of people seconding each other. Like yeah. a lot of people being like, oh, I second that. Except for so it was basically this game and Twilight Struggle were kind of the only yeah. two games. And we, we've kind of already discussed why Twilight Struggle did not really make the cut. Um, we went with Heroes of Land Air and Sea because we don't know a whole lot about it. Um, yep. We are not going this is the one we're going to do the worst job of actually summarizing. But yeah it is a actual 4x game um, yes. so in that way it does seem like like I think there was a whole world of games that were gonna take this spot um, and this is like a, a fresh new uh, item a fresh new take on on that style of game so it yeah. does feel appropriate in that way I just think the the kind of 4x games, there, there are so many out there, and it's hard to know which is the one to go for. And I will say, in this one's favor, it's very colorful. I really like all of the art and the style. Uh, it does. It's very intimidating to me thus far. Um, yep. Which is something that reminds me of Ti though. This is yep. a big game. This is a yeah.
1: huge game. <laughs> it's very, very. It very, very big. It doesn't seem as
0: big at first because there's just four islands or whatever. Yeah. Uh, but then once we started looking at like the the faction sheets, it it's oh it's very big. It's very very big, guys. Yep. Um, yeah. Yeah.
1: And it gets bigger. There yeah. are expansions that make it even even bigger, 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 bigger. Mm-hmm. Um. So th- this one is hard to talk about because honestly. This one would be a lot of just that your classic 4x stuff. Uh, th- there are factions in this uh, game, but I wouldn't say the factions are like critically different, like they are in Root. Right? Root is defined by the factions. Here is a land, Errancy is a little bit more like TI. There's four mm-hmm. factions. They're better at some things, worse than others. Um, but the the big takeaway is. Heroes of land, and C is a point salad. If you're not aware of that term, it's like you are constantly scoring points throughout the game. It's not like TI where it's like, oop, you just only got to get 10. So every t- point is very critical. Mm-hmm. This is just like always score points, do everything you can to always be scoring points. And so certain factions are better at scoring different types of points. So in that way, that's where you start to like separate from each other and step on each other's toes in different ways. Um, but it's not as faction guides aren't quite as critical. Uh, in, in a game like heroes of land, air and sea, it's, it's very much like, yes, we do need to cover the factions and we need to go over their stuff, but there's also a lot of stuff that is universal that we just need to talk about building structures and we need to talk about moving around and we need to talk about fighting and how everyone plays into that. And then yes, there are some faction specific things to deal with in that way. I think it's very similar to TI as well. Uh, if anything, I—it's weird to say it—but I think *Here Is the Land* Air and Sea is one of the most like TI games on the list. Right? Um, it's more of a 4X than TI, so in that way, it separates itself. The exploration mechanic is much more. Uh, in there ti there really is an exploration in ti ti basically isn't a 4x game right here's land air and sea i mean think of your games like civilization endless legend your pc games like that you right. know, all of those games this is what heroes of land air and sea is trying to accomplish
0: yeah i mean i would say civilization is probably the best touchstone for for this game so like if you have played civ at all you will recognize a lot yeah. of the, it's basically civ if there was like a warcraft skin for it, right to me (laughs) all the art just kind of screams warcraft um but then the way it plays is very very Civ. um yeah so yeah i mean i'm not really sure what what more we could say about it today without like getting pretty hardcore into it um and at the risk of us just like i don't want to just say yeah (laughs) just like whipping a whole lot on this one um i think if you're interested in it um Take a look. This was this was kind of the community toss up to us. So we we are probably the least prepared to talk about this one today. Yeah. Um, be sure to like hit us up with uh, any errata if you're looking for like more clarification on Heroes of Land, Air and Sea. Um, but yeah, I think I, I think Civ is the best touchstone as far as like just explaining this game to you for sure um and we only have one more game on the list and what is i think it's a game we're both very very excited about yeah um,
1: it's kind of my pride and joy on this list uh yeah. dune doing yeah. the board game yeah uh many people know that dune is a game that was reskinned by fantasy flight games into a game called rex which is set in the twilight imperium universe which means uh, Rex ripe for us trying to play that game only problem is Rex is out of print nowadays and Dune is about to get a new edition right. so Dune's the better fit uh, and we're, we're very excited to see what this new edition holds uh, we are going to do our best to talk about what we know Dune has classically in, included but we really don't know that much about what this specific it's basically the fourth edition of Dune uh, and we we don't know what might be the biggest changes to that um, so we're we're really going to pull this off of what previous editions of Dune and what Rex are like. Um, so with that in mind, my favorite thing about Dune is Dune is very tactics heavy. Mm-hmm. So it's so critical what you are doing each round because any game could end on any round. You you could you could win on round one if you like pulled things off correctly. Mm-hmm. In fact, I think it's well known that in Rex, if you're playing a three-player game of Rex. Joel and R can just win round one pretty easily. Mm -hmm. It's maybe even like not even possible to stop them. I think I'm not sure it might be broken. Maybe, maybe that's not true, but regardless you can win on any round of the game. I think there's eight rounds total. Maybe that's different in Dune. I'm basing this off of Rex, but um, I've always found that fascinating because what that means is you're trying to play a game of, nothing but swings, right? This is like the opposite of what I explained with the Game of Thrones board game. Game of Thrones board game is like, I got to set up all these things so that I can accomplish a swing, uh, not not even a swing, so that I can just slowly steamroll my way to victory. Right. Dune is about setting yourself up so that you can suddenly pull off this huge maneuver and win the game that round. Mm-hmm.
0: It's flashy. It's really fun. Uh, we played, there was a period where we were playing a lot of Rex and I think my favorite thing about it is the f- so it, what it sort of has in common with root is that uh the factions are very asymmetrical uh they have just like like it's it's not that they have like separate faction abilities like in twilight imperium it's that they have like different win conditions even yeah um which like like i feel like root is like what if every faction was like a completely different board game this is like kind of in between that and variable race abilities like in regular twilight imperium um each faction is not entirely different but has a lot of moving parts that only apply to it like a good example is um in in uh dune you are never paying money to like an invisible bank where your money just goes you're paying a player which is that player is the spacing guild um in order to get, like, your units and stuff. In in Rex, uh, the Spacing Guild was the Hakan, which really fit. Yeah. So the Hakan literally would make money from the other players uh, in exchange for the units they were buying on, uh, like, to put on the board, which is really cool. Right. And, and that's, like, one of my favorite things about this game, actually, is... Getting rid of the, invis- the invisible bank. Like, think of all those yeah. times that you're the. You know, who are you giving that money to in Twilight Imperium when you flip right. all the planets and you pay all your trade goods? Where does that go? Have you ever thought about yeah. that? Huh? Right. You ever wondered <laughs> in where Dune, it all go?
1: It's it's literally the Lazics. Right. It's literally the Benny Jesuit, whatever you want to call it. Like it's in, literally
0: in Dune. You're giving it to your friend Eddie,
1: and he's sitting over there, and he's got <laughs> it now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and and and. On top of that, Rex uh, Rex Dune, whatever you want to call it, is so much about getting a read on your opponent because because like you're literally going to pay them like you have to play against them in a different way. It's not enough to just like oh I'm going to get more units than you. Now, nah, everyone's more or less going to have about the same amount of units all game. Mm-hmm. Oh, you'll you'll maybe take a big loss and you'll have to pay the hakan a bunch to get your units back, but you all start the game with units and you're like ready to go. Right. Um so it becomes more about well what what are they going to do and how can I counteract that? It's it's sort of like that crossbreed of diplomacy and ti it's sort of this thing that exists in the middle of all these different games i've always found it fascinating because every time i've played rex i feel like i'm scratching the surface of like oh there's like a really very deep strategy to what's going on here and, I'm, and I want to see how deep that rabbit hole goes because I think right. there's a lot of levels. If anything, I think if we covered a game like Dune, we would do the like first pass on it. And then maybe we would walk away from it for a little bit. But I would want to go back to it to do the same thing we're doing with like the TI extra special strategy guides that we're working on now. With Dune, I could see myself having that itch of like I want to get into the like. Absolute weeds with this game. Mm-hmm. I want to get lost in the strategy of this one because it's just it there there's so many elements that you have to consider.
0: I think this is the game that is has the most uh, matte stuff in it. Yeah, negotiation, n- negotiation, backstabbing, negotiation, bluffing. Those things are very, very present in in Dune, uh, and they're very present in like Game of Thrones and diplomacy no, sure. as well. Um, but it it feels very ripe um, in Dune because of the asymmetricalness of it. Uh, really plays into it as well. Uh, specifically thinking about the uh, Bene Gesserit which was uh, the extra in uh, In Rex, Rex. uh, get to predict a player um, that will win, uh, and they have to also predict what round that player will win on, and if their prediction is correct then they win instead. Now that's just delicious.
1: That's delicious because not only are you just making that prediction, but then you work to do that, right? Right. Like you, it's like, all right, I I predict that the Freeman are going to win on round six. Well, it's now my goal to make make sure the Freeman win on on round round six. six. Uh, Yeah.
0: And and that's easier because the Freeman are also trying to win. You know what I mean? Like that there is a natural easiness to helping someone win versus winning yourself. Um, so that's really fun. Uh, one other thing that that actually has never existed in Dune, but was in Rex. So, we, yes. like, let's hope this gets included in the new version. Yeah. Hopefully, they they paid a lot of attention to Rex and the things that were fun there that it added. But um, you can uh, create alliances in Dune, and in, in the old Dune game, you could as well. Um, but what Rex introduced was a secret, um, like <laughs> a secret victory condition that you could pull off that would make it where when your alliance wins. Uh, your alliance actually breaks, and you're the winner. Just you. Right. And the other people yeah, don't win. If you win.
1: fulfill this very difficult objective on top of everything else, and you won an alliance, you can then reveal the card at the end of the game and be like, oh, I also did this, which means you don't win. I win instead by right. myself alone, right. uh, and, and which is awesome.
0: I think the most important thing to me about covering this game uh, is that it would give us a very real reasonable opening to do a movie review on this show uh, yeah. because we get to re- review uh Den- dennis uh vianu oh wow you nailed it um Thank you. we would get to review his uh his film when it comes out in uh, in 2020 uh and if you're not if you didn't know about that there's gonna be a new dune movie uh directed by i mean i think the guy that i would the tap guy. for it like i yeah. would it, the most exciting guy in science fiction film Right now, yeah. in my by opinion. By a
1: long, by a very well, wide I mean, I like for Alex. For me, Alex
0: Garland is fun
1: too. I really sure. liked
0: Annihilation and Ex Machina, was like one of the best science fiction scripts in like a really long time. Sure.
1: But I, Arrival and Blade Runner 2049. Yeah. Very, very Oof, good. Well, very um, a, um,
0: Sicario. Like yep. you know the man's work, even I mean, what are we?
1: We're getting, we're really falling into a new territory here. No, but that's, I'm just I'm saying, very like, if you yeah. pick Dune, this mo- this
0: show will become a movie show too. Just so you, yeah, know. I'm going to talk that's, about it. That's our backdoor pilot to talking about <laughs> uh, movies. And because you know what, there's not a movie podcast out there. There's no Is movie there? podcast. Are there Isn't that any weird? I, there's
1: no one where there's two white dudes talking about movies. Let us
0: know if you know <laughs> that about a movie podcast of any kind, because we're thinking we might do that here if yeah. it hasn't been covered already.
1: We've got takes and they're hot. And we're ready to serve them
0: to you. I got a movie everybody should go see that I well actually not everybody should go see this. Uh, this is an all ages show, and this movie I'm about to recommend you is not, not all ages whatsoever. <laughs> um, uh, but it was called High Life, a very good science fiction movie with Robert Pattinson. Um, kind of sad, kind of rough to watch. Like it's it's not the the nicest movie. Uh-huh. Um, but, but He's Batman now, so you got to see. Right, it. he's Batman, so you probably need to be checking into the Robert Pet that we are <laughs> that we are in the middle of. Um, but no, check out High Life. It's a re- it was really really good movie. If you like, uh, not like not super dark, but like a little bit dark, and it's a uh, sci-fi, uh, and it's
1: really good. This feels like a really good point to ask you to rate us on iTunes or Apple Podcasts yeah. uh, so that we can uh, gain more visibility and keep growing the show. You can follow us on Twitter at Space Cats Pod. You can find us on Facebook, Space Cats Peace SpaceCatsPeaceTurtles. Uh, we post episodes every week on the Twilight Imperium subreddit so you can join in the discussion and be a part of helping us figure out more about these five games, I which s- within I two slow- weeks will be four down. games. I want
0: to slow you down real quick. I, I just want to say that if you would... If if anyone out there that is like oh I feel like this I, I feel like rating them on Apple Podcasts, if you would just write that this is a great movie podcast uh, in your <laughs> in your description that'd be really fun for just for little old me that'd my be favorite fun. podcast about movies this is what a great because mo- I mean I felt like that was a really fun little like I'm kind of ready to just keep talking about movies now you know. <laughs> Because, you know, because Matt, he knows about them, and I don't, yeah. but I am opinionated.
1: So that sounds good. <laughs> Uh, You can also be a part of our movie podcast on Patreon, and you can watch movies with us on Patreon, and we'll we'll rate movies with you. Uh, You can join our Discord, and where we're always having discussions about the latest movies and releases. Uh, Oh, man, what a good Detective Pikachu post we had the other day. So good. Uh, I actually did not quite care for that movie uh, like that. Okay, so that movie was really interesting, because the
0: first 20 (laughs) minutes... Let me tell you about that movie, because the first 20 minutes are... It's just like B-roll of like just like the wilderness and uh-huh. there's pokemon in it it's like planet earth with pokemon in it yeah and i was like oh my god this is a great movie <laughs> and then like you get like kind of through the first act and you start realizing that like the movie is way more concerned with selling you on the detective part yeah. of the title than it is really concerned with the pikachu part and i kind of <laughs> came in for the pikachu part The detective part was just kind of like, I mean, you could have put any old word up there before Pikachu. It could have been like, you know, it could have been surfer Pikachu. It could have (laughs) been chef Pikachu. Like, it didn't matter what his occupation was. Um, (laughs) And a lot of the movie is really stressed, stressing on On the the whole like film noir detective stuff. Uh,
1: and I just want to watch a Pokemon nature documentary
0: now. Yeah, dude, like like. seriously there are, it's not, I mean, it's not a whole lot of the movie, but it's like it, you know, there's like the first scene where they kind of, you know, they establish the world a little bit. They give you the, the main character who like, he, he wasn't so bad. He, He was, he was okay. He wasn't like a great actor, but, um, And he was, like, decently written. But anyways, then it just kind of, like, is trying to set up the world for a minute and is showing you, like, you know, the wilderness. It shows you, like, a city where Pokemon live. And it's really, really fun when it's doing that. And, I yeah, I would love just Planet Earth with Pokemon. Why don't they make that? (laughs) So you can watch me do stand-up comedy. What a a show this is that you listen to. It's about Twilight Imperium and then uh, will eventually be about another board game as well. And also movies and stand-up um, <laughs> it's about four things um so i do <laughs> i do stand-up comedy in uh portland oregon i am taking over the stand-up comedy scene here in portland oregon and i don't mean in a good way what i mean is <laughs> i now co-host two weekly shows Yikes. every week that's two shows that i do where you can see me every week. The first one is called Earthquake Hurricane. It is every Thursday at Ford Food and Drink. starts at 8 p.m. And then we have a new show uh, that I'm co-hosting with my buddy, uh, Jake Silverman, um, who is somewhat famous in Portland, I guess. I mean, definitely compared to me, he is. Um, and that show is called Comedy is Everything. Um, and that show is at Alberta Street Pub uh, every Sunday, That starts at 9 p.m. And then also, um, every summer, I do a series of backyard comedy shows. Um, We are kind of having a soft open, a secret one uh, that I can't tell you about uh, because we are going to get in trouble for how many people are coming which is kind of a bummer. <laughs> um, but the real dates are going to be announced probably by the next time uh, that you hear from us. Uh, and there were a fair number of Space Cat uh, listeners that came out to those shows uh, last year. They are very, very special, and they are very, very cool. The last thing I have to tell you about, and this one is actually super important compared to the others, so if you just kind of ignore it most of the time, this is the one to listen to. I will be competing in the Portland's Funniest Person Contest Um, like I did last year, the first round, the preliminary round is audience voted. So if you would come out and see me perform and, you know, if you like me, you know, vote for me, um, that would mean so much. Um, my round is going to be on June 19th, uh, at seven o'clock PM at the helium comedy club. Um, the tickets to the show cost $10. If you call ahead, to the box office at Helium and met, drop my name, they will give them to you for five. So just to let you know that it's it's this is pretty big deal. Probably the biggest thing that really happens in Portland comedy. Um, so please come out and show your support if you're if you're into that kind of thing. I had some people come out for me last year and it was really really fun. Um, yeah. So yeah, that's all I got.
1: I want to thank some space kitties. I want to thank Billy. T.G. Welch, Yin for Life, Patience is a Virtue, Naderade, Jimbov, and Umar. Thanks for joining the Patreon. Uh, and so one more movie to talk about here, Hunter. Uh, if you haven't seen it, you got you to gotta see Booksmart. 100% required, required viewing. You have to see Booksmart.
0: Oh, okay. So now you're doing your movies. Now I'm um, doing my
1: movie. For the fade out, I'm doing a movie that is basically the female Superbad starring Jonah Hill's sister and directed by olivia wilde see this starring lots of really great people and it's really hilarious and okay it's just like see the most important this would be the of problem the
0: of us having a movie podcast actually sure. because i there's a whole genre of movie that i don't really like that much and this is gonna sound really weird i don't really like comedy movies sure in that weird i just don't yeah. like them uh
1: because well because so often they're just overwritten right? Yeah. I mean, like, they're... you like Edgar Wright. Edgar Wright's sure. a different yeah, yeah, animal. yeah, yeah, yeah. Edgar you like movies, like and you like, did you like Swiss Army, man? Uh,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course I like Swiss Army.
1: You man. like movies that are formally comedies, but yeah. ones that are written comedies, I agree with that, where it's like, eh, they can be kind of dry. I think Booksmart is still great, even as a overwritten comedy. You have to lean into it, you have to just kind of accept that like oh yeah it's a little it's a little overwritten the dialogue is like not realistic at all or anything like that yeah, but it's it, it's a fun high school romp
0: it's the the priority is always on the dialogue in those movies yep. which means that visually as films they i mean just like mute them sometimes like sure. d- dude put up, pull up any american comedy movie just traditional one mute it and there is nothing going on at all. There, is there a, are there people is, standing, talking to each other. Right. And that is there are all parts, that is happening.
1: There are parts of Booksmart where you're dead wrong. I'll say that oh, okay. well, there, I, there are parts of Booksmart where visually they do really cool stuff.
0: I, I, hey, that's what you got to tell me to get me to yeah. to check it out. Because, yeah, yeah if, if it, if the, it breaks the, like, from that.
1: The midpoint, the big like breaking down point of the film is like one of the best, uh, like argument scenes i've seen in in a basic comedy you know what i mean yeah. like like it just so far and above blew away what a normal just like ah we don't like each other anymore scene like it's a predictable scene but the way they do it is way better
0: okay that's are we fa-
1: did we fade out yet? i feel like the show would have faded out by no,
0: this no 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 this is part two the movie <laughs> movie madness it's it's a show with movie matt martin's and Hunter madness. and, and <laughs> Movie Madness with Movie Matt Martins and Movie Hunter Donaldson. Hi, hello, hey movers. Wait, what? Uh, hey movers.
1: <laughs> no movers uh, and shakers, come yeah, on down. Yeah,
0: yeah. Um, so, what? What is? What's the number one movie of the summer? Did you see Avengers? Hmm. Did you see Avengers? Of course, I saw Avengers. <laughs>
1: Thank you for listening to Space Cat's Peace Turtles, and thanks to Ben Prunty for the use of his music. You can find more at benpruntymusic.com and benprunty.bandcamp.com. Pax Magnifica, Bellum Gloriosum.
0: That's your number one movie for the summer? Because it came out in the spring, my friend.
1: I just wanted, I want that to be the the cutout.
0: (laughs) No, this is the cutout.
1: I decide the cutout hunter. I want to be very clear.
0: <laughs> no i i I predict that when you make the actual decision later, you will pick the one that I decided was it. <laughs>